0: Hey, everyone. My name is Norton um, Herbst. I'm one of the pastors at New Denver, and uh, you're listening to our podcast. And unfortunately, when I preached my sermon this morning, we had some problems. Uh, we got a new board, um, soundboard recently, and it's done. Some, it's been super helpful for our worship, but we've had a few problems with the recording lately. So we apologize for that. And this morning, for some reason, um, we didn't record the sermon. So here I am, in an empty room, uh, re-preaching my sermon so you can listen to it. So um, all my amazing jokes today, you're not going to hear anyone laughing, and that's not because they're not funny, hopefully. Uh, thats um, You'll have to laugh for me as you're listening to this. But um, hopefully this is still helpful for you as you, as you listen. Uh, today is the first Sunday of the season of Lent. Uh, Lent is a period of 40 days, that culminates in Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And for over 1,500 years, followers of Jesus have set aside these 40 days as a season of drawing near to God in some very intentional ways. Now, last week I introduced some of the concepts of what Lent is all about. Um, And so if you didn't listen to that, go back and listen to that message. Um, But one of the things I said is that Lent is like training for a marathon. And we read a passage of scripture where the writer of Hebrews says this in chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 1. Um, The writer says, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and the writer had just described uh, a bunch of people of faith that go before us, the writer says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. So the picture here is that the journey of faith is like a race. It's like a marathon. But sometimes there are things that make running that race difficult or hard. It's like trying to run a race while you're wearing a really heavy coat, or or you're pulling a wheelbarrow behind you, or um, or you have vines that are wrapped around your legs and they're tripping you up, or Or you've got a phone in your hand and you're trying to type out a text or an email to someone while you're running. And you just can't run very well when you have those things tripping you up or weighing you down or distracting you. So the writer of Hebrews says let go of those things, throw those things off, get rid of them. Maybe they're burdens you're carrying, maybe they're distractions that are keeping you from running this race well. So just let go of them and fix your eyes on Jesus. So during Lent, Christians have historically let go of something. Sometimes we call it giving something up as a way of saying this specific thing in my life right now could be a burden or a distraction. And so I'm going to, for the next 40 days, set it aside, give it up, let go of it. And if you've done that this Lent, um, if you gave something up, if you let go of something starting just a few days ago on Ash Wednesday. Great job. Hang in there. You're four days in. Now, if you happen to be listening to this and you didn't give anything up for Lent, maybe it's because this whole Lent thing is new to you and you didn't really understand. Um, maybe it's because uh, you didn't really know what to give up. Maybe it's because you forgot. Maybe because you've done this Lent thing before and you just didn't want to do it again this year. Um, That's okay. You can still start. You can still jump in and join us. Um, You're only four days late, uh, so you're not going to get an A on your Lent grade. Uh, Kidding on that one. Um, There's no Lent grade. Uh, This is not about perfection. This is not about impressing God, right? Lent is not an obligation that's placed on you. It's an invitation for you. So today, if you haven't jumped in and given something up for Lent, you can start today. Now, there's an interesting idea that I want to introduce to you on this first Sunday of Lent. The writer of Hebrews says that Jesus is the pioneer of our faith. That means he led the way. He ran the race of faith He's the model we're to follow. Fixing our eyes on him means to simply follow him, to run the race in the way that he ran the race. But here's the interesting thing. Jesus himself let go of burdens and distractions in order to run the race well. He knew there were certain things that could be a burden or a distraction for him to live the kind of life he wanted to live, to do the kind of work his father gave him to do. And so the question we're going to explore for the next six weeks during Lent is what did Jesus let go of? What did Jesus give up? What did Jesus set aside in order to run this race well? So today I want to read you the beginning of a story that you might already be familiar with. Many of us are familiar with this story. It takes place just before Jesus begins his public ministry, before he embraces his role as a rabbi and a teacher, before he launches a movement that will eventually change the world, before he even approaches the starting line. Here's what he did. Here's how he trained for his race. Luke tells us in Luke chapter 4, Starting in verse one, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and he became very hungry. Or a better translation of the word there might be he became hangry, right? So Jesus had been in the area of the Jordan River, we're told. He was hanging out with his cousin John, and in fact, John had baptized him. That's another story for another time. But Jesus then returns home, probably to Nazareth. It's where he grew up. It's where he had worked, in his father's carpentry shop. And Luke tells us the Spirit then leads him to go spend some time in the wilderness, And I have to wonder at this point, or at least I wonder, how did that happen? How did the Spirit lead Jesus to go into the wilderness? Did the Holy Spirit audibly speak this loud voice to Jesus, Jesus, drop everything right now and go into the wilderness? It's probably not how it went down. More likely, Jesus felt this just sort of nudge. Maybe a pull, maybe a draw, maybe a tugging. Maybe it was even his own desire to get away, spend some time alone with his father. In fact, maybe Jesus remembered the stories of how Moses went up into the wilderness for 40 days. Maybe he remembered the story of Elijah going into the wilderness for 40 days and and he was shaped by those stories and he thought, that sounds like a good idea. I should go do that. And that's how the Spirit often works in our lives. It's often through our own thoughts, our own emotions, our own desires, our own intuitions, even the stories that we've read that have shaped us. Sometimes we're drawn into doing something, and it's only later that we look back and we realize, how is the Spirit leading me to do that? And so Jesus is led. Luke tells us, by the Spirit. And the word that's translated by there more often than not means in. It's a little preposition. It can mean in or by. So maybe Jesus is just led in the Spirit. Maybe Luke is telling us that Jesus was so full of the Holy Spirit, he was so in tune and in step with the Holy Spirit that Jesus' desires were the Spirit's desires. Jesus' desires were to go spend an extended amount of time alone. With his father in the wilderness. Forty days specifically. This was Jesus' season of Lent. And Luke tells us then that Jesus was tempted or tested by the devil. Now, Luke will go on and tell the rest of the story of the temptations that Jesus faced. And he tells them in great detail. In fact, there's 12 more verses. To this story. And you can read those later. And they describe these three specific temptations and how Jesus wrestled with them. And, and we've often read this story in the past. We've even preached on this in the past. Stephen preached on this. And we'll usually focus on these three temptations because there's so many rich insights we can learn. We learn about the nature of of temptation. We can learn about how these temptations were specifically aimed at Jesus's own identity and Jesus's own calling. And we can learn about how he resisted these temptations and how we might resist temptations in our lives. There's all kinds of interesting theological questions that come up in this story, right? What was this devil like? Was the devil an actual person? Was it a voice in Jesus's head? Was this an identity crisis that Jesus... Was facing? Is that the kind of modern language we might use now? But ancient people would, would hear the story and they would interpret it very differently. They would describe it using this devil language very differently than people might now. So it's a fascinating story, and there's all kinds of interesting questions to explore, but but I wonder if we we sometimes read the story and we skip ahead too quickly. I wonder if we just need to pause on these opening verses. Linger on the reality of 40 days in the wilderness. 40 days. Think about how long, just think for a second, how long 40 days is. I want to show a video. Um, It includes some drawings that were done by an artist uh, several years ago. Um, And if you're listening to this, you can just pause and we'll include the link for you to watch uh, that video. You can pause this and go watch that video now. And and, and it helps maybe reimagine what these 40 days would have been like. I like this video and these images because you get to about day 15 or 20 and you realize, wow, 40 days is a long time. You see, we read this story and we skip right to the end, the temptation part, But Jesus would have already been in the wilderness for a long time. Think about how lonely he would have been. Think about how hard that would have been. Think about how hungry he would have been. It's no surprise that the first temptation he faces is to eat Bread. So Jesus goes into the wilderness, and for these 40 days, which is the same length as the season of Lent, we have to ask, what does Jesus let go of? What does he give up? Well, he gives up companionship, right? He's by himself. He gives up his friends, his family. He gives up comforts, comforts of sleeping in a bed at night. Comforts of a roof over his head, the comforts of a a chair, a a simple chair to sit in. He gives up his work, his meaningful work that he's been doing. He sets that aside. And then, of course, most obviously, he gives up food. And why does Jesus do this? What propelled him to let go of these things for 40 days? Why did he? undertake his own season of Lent, if you will. I mean, the things he gave up, they weren't sinful or wrong. Companionship, work, comfort, food. These were, there was nothing evil or wrong about these things. Why did Jesus give these things up for 40 days? I think he did it for the same reason we give up things during Lent, to draw close to God, to prepare for the race. That he was about to run, to remove anything that might be a distraction. And so for me, there's something so comforting about this story because I read it, especially as we enter into Lent, it reminds me that Jesus is doing the same thing I'm doing. He let go of some really tangible and simple and physical and material things for a period of 40 days, just like we are during Lent. Jesus observed his own season of Lent. And I wonder if, as he was walking out the door on day one, heading into the wilderness, going on his hike, I wonder if he thought, you know, maybe I should take some food with me. Maybe I don't need to go, uh, go with, without all food. Maybe I don't need to give up all food. Maybe I should take some food with me, right? I mean, can't I experience God's presence in the wilderness just as much on a full stomach as an empty stomach, In fact, I wonder if the weather's gonna be bad. It looks like it could be bad. Maybe I should just stay home. Maybe I should just sit on the couch and meditate or reflect for 40 days. See, I think Jesus had those thoughts and he had those temptations before he ever got to the big ones. So that even this week in your life, Four days into Lent, with whatever you've given up, with whatever you've put aside and you've let go of, you need to be encouraged. Jesus knows exactly how you feel. Because maybe right now you feel like, man, I should not have done this. This is not fun. Maybe right now you feel like you should have picked something easier to let go of. Maybe you're even thinking this whole idea of Lent is kind of dumb and I knew I should have not even done it and I should have just skipped church for the next six weeks, right? Jesus knows that you're having these thoughts and he gets it. He's been there. He's had these thoughts. He knows how you're feeling. And he also knows that whenever you let go of something in your life, it's not easy. There's gonna be moments during the next 40 days when for you, You want to just kind of give up on what you gave up, right? You want to give in. You want to quit. You want to cheat a little bit. I faced that temptation on day one. Um, One of the things I gave up for Lent this year was sweets. Uh, Many of you know I love sweets, and I didn't really want to give up sweets, but then um, I was working on this message and just studying how Jesus gave up food altogether, and I thought if he can give up all food, I can probably give up sweets. And so I gave up sweets starting on Wednesday. And uh, I teach a class at DU on Wednesdays and Fridays right now. And so on Wednesday, I came home from teaching this class and I was tired. I'd been teaching for two hours and I was hungry because I had skipped lunch. And the minute I walked in the door at our house, I could smell vanilla icing. It's permeating our house. And I walk into the kitchen, because I have to walk through the kitchen to get into our house, and Janice, my wife, has made this massive pan of these cake-like cookies that she just covered in vanilla icing and sprinkles. And it was clear in that moment to me that I had married the devil, (laughs) That, that, that six hours in on day one, my own wife is testing my very soul. <laughs> And, and, and then it didn't end because that night I went to sleep and um, I, we had our Ash Wednesday service that night. I came home. I went to sleep not long after that. And I dreamed that night. And I don't always remember my dreams like most of you. You wake up in the morning and you kind of remember your dream, but you don't remember what it was about. But this morning, Thursday morning, I woke up and I remembered it vividly. I dreamed on Wednesday night that I was in this massive donut shop and there was this huge donut in front of me. And uh, I, I, I don't know how I did this, but I remember peeling back the top of the doughy part of the donut and inside was another filled donut. And inside that one was blueberry filling. And it was like the, the greatest thing in the world. And for me, I realized pretty quickly, this was the equivalent of the devil taking me to the top of the temple and saying, this is the greatest donut shop in the world. And, and, and it, it's all yours if you just bow down and worship me, right? I'm not making this up. The point is, when we let go of something, a burden, a distraction, something as simple as sweets, right? Maybe it was social media for you. Maybe it was alcohol or coffee. Maybe it was looking at your phone, whatever it was. It could have been something simple. When we give something up like that and it's hard even on day one, Jesus knows how we feel. He knows that when we try to say no to something that has become a regular part of our routine, something that we've maybe overindulged, something that we may be begun to depend on too much, when we choose to set it aside, to let go of it, the immediate temptation is to run back to that thing because we miss it desperately. I think Jesus knows exactly how that feels. He's been there. He felt that in the wilderness for 40 years days. Now, Jesus is going to give up a lot of other things during his ministry. He gave up a lot to accomplish the work his father gave him to do. And we'll talk about some of those things in the coming weeks, but let's not forget that at the very beginning of doing that work, at the beginning of running this race, he gave up something so simple, so tangible, just like we are during Lent. He gave up comfort. And he gave up food. And when that's hard for us, he knows exactly how it feels. And I think if he was here today and if if he could speak directly to you or to me, I think he would look at us and he would say, don't give up. Stick with it during Lent for 40 days. When you're tempted, don't give up. When you're tired, don't give in. When you're not even sure what the benefit of this whole exercise is, right? When you have those questions and those doubts, just hang in there. Keep persevering, keep running, and trust that I know how you feel, and I'm in this with you. So I want to close by sharing just a few practical tips, a few ways that you can persevere through this season of Lent. Here's the first. Number one, lean into discomfort. Lean into discomfort. When you're tired, when you're cranky, when you want to cheat, when, when the thing that you gave up, you're wishing you hadn't give up, maybe just pause and ask yourself, why is this so hard? Why am I so uncomfortable letting go of this thing? What does it say about me that giving this thing up for a few days has already made me irritable and cranky? Because the reality is letting go of something during Lent is meant to be uncomfortable. It's supposed to be uncomfortable. And that doesn't even mean that the thing that you're letting go of is terrible, right? Jesus let go of companionship for 40 days. He let go of community, and that was very purposeful on his part. But that doesn't mean it was easy. It was hard. So don't be surprised when it gets hard. And it's exactly when it gets hard and it's exactly when it gets uncomfortable that we should pause and ask, why is this so uncomfortable? And what might this experience be teaching me? So lean into the discomfort you're feeling. Second tip, number two, embrace stillness. Embrace stillness. So most of the things that we give up during Lent are either things we do or things we consume. Probably what you gave up is something you do or something you consume. And when you do something regularly or consume something regularly or do or consume something too much and you suddenly give that thing up, you don't know what to do with the craving. You don't know what to do with that desire that suddenly you have this time in your schedule or you have this this itching to be watching something or be playing something or be eating something or doing something. Have you had this experience yet? Maybe you've come home from work or you put the kids to bed or you've woken up in the morning and that thing that you instantly want to reach for or turn on or look at or pour into a cup or a glass, now suddenly you can't do that. You can't consume that thing because you gave it up for limp, but you don't know what to do. It's like I'm lost without this thing. I think it's in those moments that the Holy Spirit can so softly whisper to us. You don't have to do anything or consume anything right now. Why don't you just be still for a few moments? Physically, why don't you just be still? Mentally, in your heart, in your mind. Why don't you just be still? You see, if there's one thing every single one of us could probably use more of in our lives, it's stillness. Because we're so addicted to activity. And consumption. And so, part of the formative nature of Lent in this practice of letting go of a specific activity or a cons- specific consumption is the way it breaks that addiction down a little bit and it creates space and forces us to be still. And so, over the coming days, when you find your heart or your mind or your body racing to fill that gap, because you've been stimulated by activity and by consumption and by flickering pixels. When you, when you want to fill that gap that now exists by, by, because you gave something up, try to resist that urge and try to embrace some stillness. So lean into discomfort is number one. Embrace stillness is number two. And then here's number three, and, and hopefully you'll like this one. Rest on feast days. Rest on feast days. Let me tell you what that means. Uh, So when the ancient church developed this idea of Lent, they were basically following the pattern of Jesus, where he fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. So Lent was thought of as a time where you gave something up or you fasted from something. It would be a time of self-examination, maybe even repentance, turning back to God and journeying with Jesus towards his sacrifice On the cross. But of course, on Sundays, Christians had already developed this tradition of gathering every single Sunday to celebrate the resurrection. That happens a week after the resurrection takes place. And from then on, Christians have gathered on Sundays to worship God, to celebrate the resurrection life that He can give us. So Sundays are not fast days, Sundays are like feast days, they're days of thanksgiving. And celebration. So that, that, that that's something that early Christians decide should never change. We should always gather, no matter what, what we're facing or whatever we're going through, on Sundays we're going to gather together and put our hope and our faith in Jesus' resurrection life. And so they said, when we enter this season of Lent, let's not count Sundays as part of the 40 days of Lent, which is why Lent starts on Ash Wednesday, which is actually 46 days before Easter, because the six Sundays don't count as fasting days during Lent. Those Sundays are feast days, which practically speaking means if you gave something up during Lent on Sundays, you could choose to rest from that practice. So if you gave up sweets, for example, On Sundays, you might take the day off and enjoy the goodness of the Lord in a glazed donut. Now, let me offer a couple of clarifiers on this one. Um, I've done seasons of Lent where I gave something up or let go of something. And for me, it was actually better to just give it up or let go of it for the whole 46 days, to not rest from that practice on Sundays. So you might consider that. Um, And also maybe for Lent, You've decided to to let go of or give up a significant vice, a habit in your life, a, a sinful habit that's actually been quite destructive. Maybe it's online gambling, maybe it's drinking way too much, maybe it's pornography. And it's not just a burden and it's not just a distraction. It really is a sin that has entangled you and you've made the brave and courageous decision to embrace this as a Lent practice, to give this thing up. And if that's the case, then obviously I would not encourage you on Sunday to feast on those things. But if what you gave up was more of a burden, more of a distraction, and you wanna rest from that practice, of giving that thing up on Sundays, I think there can be a healthy way to do this. The unhealthy way would be if you gave up TV during Lent and on Sundays you binged on Netflix for 10 hours straight, right? Probably not the best thing to do. You're basically just making up for lost time during the week and that means you've missed the whole point of Lent. So resting on a feast day might be eating one good dessert watching one TV show, spending 15 minutes on Instagram on Sunday night and actually pausing before you do any of these things to say, I don't really need to do this, God. And I think you're teaching me something so important during Lent as I'm giving this thing up. But thank you for this little grace. It's a reminder and a symbol of the true rest and the true feast that we'll all one day experience. So lean into the discomfort, embrace the stillness, and if it's appropriate, and you can do it in a healthy way, rest on feast days. And through it all, remember that Jesus is with you. He knows it's hard, He knows what it's like, He knows you might even stumble along the way during Lent. And that's okay, because this isn't an obligation. It's an invitation. An invitation to follow in his footsteps and to learn from him. Let me pray for you. God, I pray for everyone listening to this, everyone in our community of faith who's taken this challenge to let go of something during Lent and to fix their eyes on you I pray that you would give every single one of us the courage and the perseverance to hang in there. And I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and our eyes to see and experience what you're doing through this intentional season. I pray this in your name, amen.